Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Welcome back to MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television show of all time, of course, talking about MASH. And I love talking MASH with my friend, Jeff Maxwell, who was on MASH. Hello, Private Igor. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Please sit down. Please sit down. Uh, yeah. Hey, Ryan, this is cool. Do you know that this is the only MASH podcast in the history of the world with you and I as the hosts? The only one. There's not another one with you and I as the host. Anywhere. How about that? By golly, it's good. What is this? This is 81? Episode 81. Yeah. Ooh, doggies. You look good for 81. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I think we're aging well, don't I you? Think so. I, mean, I think so. I think so. Hey, uh, we want to thank everybody who has sent us messages. As always, you can reach out to us at mashmatters.com, and you can call and leave a voicemail, too. We'll be playing some voicemails, jumping into some new uh, listener questions and comments. But before we do that, a couple of things from previous episodes. You know, a couple of episodes ago, we were fortunate enough to finally, finally reveal who played General MacArthur in the episode Big Mac. And uh, special thanks to our friend Joel, who said, uh, hey, Jeff and Ryan, after the conclusion for the investigation of who was Douglas MacArthur in Big Mac, I added the credit to his IMDb page for permanent record. Great job. Thanks to you guys. Uh, well, thank you, Joel. And it is kind of nice now to go to uh, Robert Courtley's page on IMDb and see that he is now getting the credit he so richly deserves for the episode Big Mac. Very cool. And yeah, thank you, Joel. Uh, you're not getting paid for that or anything, just so you know. No. No. Very want to make that perfectly clear. Somebody also updated uh, Robert Courtley's uh, Wikipedia page, too. Wikipedia? Isn't it fun to say Wikipedia? Wiki- you know, <laughs> you have a Wikipedia page. Did you know I that? I have a Wikipedia page. Yes, I love do. my Wikipedia page. I think I'm even mentioned on your Wikipedia page now. I think somebody Are you went mentioned- in and, wow. and, uh, and edited your page to uh, to include uh, the podcast now. Well, thank you. Well, that's very nice of the, those Wikipedia page people. Wikipediaers. W- oh, yeah. Wikipediaers. Wikipedia, <laughs> Wikipedia. Right. Wikipedia. Hi, oh, why, oh, yeah. Oh, well, anyway. All right. You know, and Bruce, a Patreon VIP. Writes well, guys. The question of who is the second surgical team came up last episode. In reply to another listener replying to how the doctors knew when they could drink or could not drink. Ryan, how do we know when we can drink or not drink? <laughs> we need to come I... up with the Mash Matters drinking game. <laughs> Somebody out there come up with a Mash Matters drinking game. Please. <laughs> we'll try it out. Uh, Bruce goes on to say, in a few episodes, other doctors are mentioned, but most of the time not seen. Spalding, who played guitar in Big Mac, was one who was seen. In Life with Father, Hawkeye and Trapper go over a list of other doctors who are and were there, but who we've never before heard of and certainly not seen. <laughs> so there was another group of doctors, but we never see them. Ha ha! Just using reverse logic to solve problems with the best TV show ever, with the worst continuity ever. It's true. So there you go. It's true. My goodness gracious. Spalding, who was played by Loudon Wainwright III, he uh, was a doctor and he was on a couple of episodes. Uh, that's really the only one we ever see. I still don't buy that there was another group of doctors, a whole other set of doctors in camp who we never saw for the entire run of the series. You know what? I think because Bruce is a Patreon VIP, I think out of respect for that, I think we send a text 
to the executive producer, Burt Metcalf, and demand that uh, he fire the continuity director <laughs> right now. Just fire them. I don't think that MASH had a continuity director. That's the problem. Well, they should hire one and then fire them because they're not doing a very good job. Speaking of Patreon VIPs, our uh, VIP in the UK, Caroline, she recommended a memoir written by a genuine MASH surgeon in Korea. The book is called Memoirs of a MASH Surgeon by Samuel L. Gelfand. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly or not. I'm sorry to the Gelfand family if I'm butchering your name. Evidently in that, one of the things that he addresses is the shifts that the doctors would work. So if you wanted to see what a medical shift kind of looked like at a MASH unit in Korea, she said also a lot of the early stories in MASH come from real incidents, which he documents. Bed Check Charlie is one of the stories, which I guess is the same as Five O'Clock Charlie and the, the kid in the minefield and introducing vein grafts and wanting to send a Korean boy to college in the States. These are all real things that happened at this MASH unit with this Dr. Samuel L. Gelfand. So if you're interested in reading that, I have not read it. I'd like to get a copy and, and read it. But if you're interested in reading that book, our VIP Caroline recommends, we will put a link in the show notes for this episode, episode 81 at mashmatters.com. Could be pretty interesting to see all that. Yeah. The real deal. Of course, uh, Larry Gelbart and all the writers did interview people like him and mm -hmm. other doctors who were in Korea, not in Korea, to get right. you know a sense about what really happened. But boy, they, you know, they used all those stories for real. So all the things that we watched for eleven years, you know, some in some form or another happened. And uh it's pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting to read that. Yeah. Ryan, I think we ought to go to the phones. Uh here's a voicemail from Brian. Hi, guys. This is Brian from Duran, Michigan. Uh, just a real quick question. I'm sitting here watching MASH tonight, and it's the episode where Hawkeye has the Jeep accident and ends up uh, getting the concussion with the Korean family. Uh, did you ever notice that he says he's 20 miles from, from the 4077, and they send the little girl off to alert the 4077 that he's there and he's injured, and it's evening, and she's going off by herself. I just thought that was kind of strange. <laughs> Love your, love your podcast. Keep it up. Just to see if you have any comments on that one. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> well, that does seem a little strange, doesn't it? Once again, a case for firing the continuity director. <laughs> I mean, come on. You're going to send a little girl off 20 miles in the dark? Well, I, I did a little bit of research on this. Oh, good. I wanted to see how long does it take somebody to walk 20 miles? <laughs> And so this is an average time for an adult walking at a relaxed pace. It would take them six hours and 40 minutes to walk 20 miles. <laughs> okay. Now at a mild pace, you're looking at five hours. And then if you're walking at a fast pace the entire way, it's three hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> That's for an adult. So yeah, he sends this young child off to the 4077, 20 miles away. In a country at war, by the way. <laughs> right, yes. <Yeah. laughs> 20 miles does seem a little excessive to send a, an eight-year-old girl out in war-torn Korea to deliver a message <laughs> yeah. to Radar. Bert Metcalf is going to get two texts now. <laughs> two. <laughs> right. Uh, so we've already given a couple of shout-outs to our Patreons. We do want to take up a quick break and say thank you to all of our Patreons. You know, right now, as of this recording, we have 85 VIPs making this podcast possible, and uh, we would love to see that number get up to 100. You know, before we reach the 50th anniversary in September, let's get that number up to 100. What do you say? Go to mashmatters.com slash support, and you can become a VIP, and let's salute some of our VIPs. We're going to salute. I'm saluting right now. Uh, Private Jeffrey Van Sickle. Private.
Private M. Linval. Corporate Vincent Puccia. Corporal Russell Burbage. Captain Christine Morgan. Captain Bruce Lish. Major Joya Albi. And Major Aaron Gilson. Just a few of the 85 VIPs who are helping to bring you MASH Matters. You can sign up at mashmatters.com slash support. I love our audience, don't you? They applaud when they're supposed to. <laughs> they, they know what they're... Thanks, everybody. You're a swell crowd. Thanks. You're doing a great job. Tip your waitresses. <laughs> so, uh, Joe. Joe, how are you? Hello, Jeff and Ryan. My name is Joe. Well, you said that, didn't you, Joe? Uh, no, I think I said that. Anyway, I've been a fan of MASH for a long time. I never got to see it in the original run because I was born three years after the series finale. However, I had grown up always hearing about MASH, specifically Radar, because I, too, was born in Ottumwa, Iowa. When I was younger, whenever I was asked where I was born, I would naturally get the question, oh, so you know Radar. As a young kid, I had no clue what anyone was talking about, but then MASH reruns were popping up all over the place and things started to make sense. I'd watch MASH with my parents and naturally fell in love with the show because of the great mixture of comedy and drama and the chemistry of everyone on the screen. I don't want to make this a long email, but I do want to pass this little note along. Donald Schaefer recently passed away. Mr. Schaefer was also from Ottumwa and was a clerk in an evac hospital during the Korean War where he served with Dr. Richard Hornberger, who was the gentleman who wrote the novel MASH and loosely based Radar O'Reilly off of Donald Schaefer. Thank you both for the podcast and all the memories you both share and keep up the great work. Cool. Well, thank you, Joe. Yeah, this yeah. guy, uh, I looked on him up. I didn't know him. I had no idea. I never heard his name. I didn't know he had any association with radar. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this guy, okay, so uh, says the Schaefer enlisted in the U.S. Army in 1948. After he graduated from Eldon High School, he was deployed with the 171st Army EVAC Hospital Unit, where he serves as, served as a company clerk alongside Dr. Richard Hornberger. Uh, Hornberger, under the pseudonym Richard Hooker, wrote the book *Mash*, which went on to become a movie and uh, our television show that we're all talking about. Mm -hmm. The character Radar was based loosely on 19-year-old Schaefer. Wow, isn't that something? He went on to serve two more tours in Korea, then he went on uh, to Vietnam, then he got his master's degree and went on to a 25-year career as a college professor and hosted a college TV show and took students on tours around the world. I mean, he was just a really interesting guy, and we appreciate Joe uh, and several people actually reaching out to us and letting us know about uh, Donald Schaefer, his nickname was Radar. <laughs> Rest in peace to the real Radar O'Reilly, yeah. Donald Stephen Schaefer. Pretty cool. And we'll post his obituary in the show notes as well at episode 81, matchmatters.com. All right, moving on. Eric says, hi, Jeff and Ryan. I'm in my late 40s. And I've been watching MASH since I was a child. In my earliest memories, MASH was already in syndication, but still running first-run episodes on CBS. I actually looked forward to Mondays because I got to see MASH twice on those nights. I have all the DVDs and was even an early subscriber when Columbia House released MASH on VHS back <laughs> in the early 90s. However, that was just selected episodes and not the full series. Also, in the early days of the internet, there was a MASH fan message board where I had been a moderator and Jeff, or at least someone claiming to be Jeff, popped in every now and then to say hello to us. I just discovered the podcast and started listening at episode one. I'm currently on episode 18, so please forgive me if you've already answered this question. One thing that always bugged me, the PA system was located in the company clerk's office, yet it was rarely Radar or Klinger heard making the announcements. It's either Sal Viscuso or Todd Sussman although it was a pre-clinger Jamie Farr in the pilot. Why the different actor? 
I have no Hollywood knowledge, and I'm guessing the announcements were added post-production and recorded elsewhere on the lot, so it just wasn't feasible to pull Gary or Jamie away from the main set to go record the announcements. Am I even close? Well, thank you, Eric. Um, Jeff, Mm. why don't you go ahead and read the next message, because that also ties into the subject as well. Sure. Hi, Ryan and Jeff. This is from Mike. Mike says, a quick question about announcements. Knowing that main characters like Raider and Klinger have been shown making announcements, but the regular incoming wounded announcements were made off camera, presumably by Todd Sussman. Was there another spot in camp where announcements were made? I recently saw an episode where Frank standing in the doorway of Colonel Potter's office when a Sussman announcement was made. But Frank commented like the announcement was made somewhere else, like there was no one sitting mere inches from the intercom. (laughs) I'm sure there were other episodes where announcements were made while people were in the company clerk's office. But was this something that was overlooked for the sake of a funny announcement? Thanks. Love what you do. All right. You know, we recently kind of discussed this on MASHcast. Uh, Our friend Rob Kelly, he invited you and I to come back on and talk about the episode Lieutenant Radar O'Reilly. And that was one of the topics that came up is this mysterious voice, the PA announcer. Who is he? Where is he in camp? Because at one point in the episode, Lieutenant Radar O'Reilly, the voice says, Radar, Colonel Potter wants you. And the very next scene, Radar is showing Klinger how to use the PA system. (laughs) So it's like, okay, who is this mysterious, omniscient, omnipotent voice (laughs) in the camp somewhere (laughs) that nobody knows or sees that we only hear? And uh, if he's not in the office where the PA system is, where the heck is he? Well, I think I figured it out. I think he is with the second uh, surgical team. That's where he is. They're all sitting there drinking. Yeah. He's hanging out with the continuity director over at Rosie's. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. That that is a question we're never going to know the answer to. No, never. And why they decided to use a different actor other than using Jamie or using Gary for all the announcements. The only thing I can think, well, two reasons. One is because if you have Gary doing all the announcements, then Gary can't be in all the scenes that he needs to be in. If he's always in his office, we don't see Radar that much. The other thing is, it's really, I mean, it's all based on the movie. In the film, you had this voice that would come through giving these little wisecracks and and announcements. And I think it was just a callback to the film. They decided, let's just find a voice that's similar to what we had in the film. That's my assumption. I don't know. Jeff, do you have any insight on this? Well, I think that's true. I think that was a homage to the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, in terms of the physicality and the way they would do it, the reason probably Gary Berghoff or Jamie Farr wouldn't do the voices, you know, it's kind of, I think it goes back to the business of show business. And these were actors who were hired to do certain things. And there are limitations to what they will do based on their contractual obligations. Ah. And so people will say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, or that's what they're hired to do. If you say to Gary Burkhoff or Jamie Farr, okay, now you're going to go in and record four camp announcements, that's a whole different thing. And that can run into money. And so uh, they don't want necessarily to equate the money that they're paying the person for the announcement to the money that they're paying Gary Berghoff or Jamie Farr. So I think it's a business situation. Also, you know, those things were done, probably done in post-production. So once the show was shot, 
they knew that that announcement had to come in or they would write it in or they'd say, hey, we got to have an announcement here or whatever they did. And at that point, they'd probably do about three or four or five of them in one day and say, hey, come on in, Todd, and here's your, here's your five announcements. And he'd stand there and do it. And he was paid a particular rate, maybe a day rate to come in and do that. So I think it was probably money <laughs> and business and timing. And like you say, they don't want to take Jamie or Rado or Gary away from the scenes because that's what they're paid to do and they got to have them there so they can get, you know, cool two other guys to come in and do it. And that'll help them move everything along and, and they can make it work without taking those actors away from doing the show. And by the way, Todd Sussman was a good guy. I knew him. He and I used to run in together, uh, run in uh, to each other on uh, commercial interviews all the time. Really nice guy. And uh, but I really, I wasn't my favorite because he'd always get the commercial, and that really <laughs> bugged me. <laughs> Oh, I was going to suggest we get him on the podcast, but maybe he would take over as your role as host here on the uh, on the podcast. He probably would. Um, yeah, no, he's a good guy, and he did well, and he was a good. He was a better commercial actor than I was. I was too. I was a little too zany, and he wasn't quite zany. <laughs> I was. I was too goofy. They didn't like goofy. Gotcha. But he, you know, interesting. I looked Todd's history up with Mash, and apparently, if this is all true, he did forty seven, and Sal Viscuso, according to the people I looked it up from, did 40. Not wild. That's a lot of announcements. So that was a good job for both of them. And the fact, too, that they were recorded separate, you know, like they weren't there on set necessarily doing these announcements live. They were doing them separate. So it's kind of an interesting gig. You come in, you do a day's work, you record some lines for that episode, and then uh, your voice is uh, in this uh, legendary television show instantly recognizable. You know, when you when you hear these voices come over the PA, you know exactly what show it is. You know where you are. You know the setting. It's kind of a kind of a cool gig to have really yeah yeah they i'm sure they both love that gig <laughs> very much all right we're going to move on to another voicemail this one coming from jeffrey hi uh, my name is jeffrey allen chateau i'm from northeast oklahoma i'm really enjoying the podcast i'm late so i'm behind i'm like on episode 31 or two but i just want to let you know i'm named after alan alda and jeff maxwell now, I don't know if my mother knew of you at the time, but you're both older than me, so I was definitely named after you. And my other comment is I got to meet Mary Kay Place. Her mother was one of my grade school teachers, and she came into our class one day. I was well, seven or eight, and uh, we got to meet her, and that was fun. And I didn't realize it at the time because I was seven or eight. Uh, who she was, but it dawned on me later when I saw her in Modern Problems with Chevy Chase, um, and that has always stuck with me. But no, I, I haven't met anyone else of the main characters. But I love your show. Keep it up. Cool. Wow, Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey. Hi from Jeffrey. Yeah. I didn't know your mother. I never met her. I didn't have anything to do with it. Wait, his mother was Mary Kay Place and she named him after you. Is that what I got from that? Something I like that. Yeah. Jeffrey K. Place. on the, uh, the details there. You know, Mary Kay Place. Yes. We would love to have Mary Kay on the show if you're listening, Mary Kay. Uh, because um, I had a big crush on her because <laughs> there was a scene she was going to do. And I sat down in the mess tent waiting for her to go on and shoot her scene. And she'd written the episode. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know that. I thought she was an actress. And I sat down next to her as I was 
want to do occasionally when there was an actress there. And we started chatting and she said, well, I'm very nervous. And I said, why are you nervous? Well, I'm about to shoot the scene with Gary. And I said, oh, well, don't be nervous. He's a great guy. You'll, you'll do fine. You're, you'll be fine. He says, yeah, I know, because I wrote the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you did? And you're nervous? Yeah, because I'm not an actress. I'm a writer. Okay, well, don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. And uh, she went on and she was fine. Yeah. She was adorable. And she was just, her hands were shaking when she was about to do the scene with Gary. I felt so sorry for her, but she did great. In case you don't know, Mary Kay Place, she played Lieutenant Louise Simmons in the episode Springtime. She was the cute little nurse who Radar was pining for and, and read poetry to her, and that, that did the trick. You don't give a girl a chance, do you? Huh? Oh, don't play coy with me, you heartbreaker. Always standing off, playing hard to get, while all the time you were looking right through me. I didn't see anything on us. Yeah, she not only was a guest actress in that show, but she also wrote that episode. She also co-wrote Mad Dogs and Servicemen and Hot Lips and Empty Arms. So uh, she wrote a total of three episodes and appeared in one. I should have read her poetry. I goofed. I should have <laughs> sat down and went, started reading poetry. Darn it. Oh, well. Better luck next time. Thank you. All right. Uh, from Johnny. Johnny says, love the podcast. Love hearing you guys talk. It makes my long days really fly by. My question is, I wonder if y'all have information on Sparky, the one that Radar <laughs> talks to on the phone. Who came up with the name Sparky? Is Radar really talking to a person on the phone line? I wonder why Sparky did not make a cameo appearance on MASH. Well, Johnny, I cannot tell you who came up with the name Sparky, although I assume whoever wrote the first inference of Sparky, which I'm going to guess is probably Larry Gelbart. And Jeff, we can talk about when you're on the phone, are you actually talking to somebody? But to answer the main question, why did Sparky not make a cameo appearance? Oh, Johnny, he did. Uh, you may recall that in the episode Tuttle, we do see Sparky. H.K. Soul is Sergeant Pryor. Hi, Sparky. This is Radar. Hey, how you doing, boy? Fine. Hey, listen, Sparky. Hey, I want to thank you for sending the Captain Marvel annual. It just come today. Okay, okay. Look, uh, listen. I'm going to be making a call on this line any second. I want you to patch it back to me. <laughs> Shazam! And he was played by a veteran character actor named Dennis Fimple. He was on Petticoat Junction, ER, Quantum Leap, The Fall Guys, Starsky and Hutch, The Dukes of Hazzards, Twilight Zone. He had a recurring role on Matt Houston. His final acting role, if there are some people out there who are big time horror movie fans, there is a, uh, a cult classic called House of a Thousand Corpses. And his final role was playing creepy grandpa Hugo in <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses. And I remember seeing that movie. I'm not a big horror movie guy, but uh, I did see that one. And it's bizarre. <laughs> and he was very, very creepy in it. That was his final role. He died in uh, 2002 due to complications from a car accident. Ooh. So that was Sparky. Now, one of the questions he had was, is Radar really talking to a person on the phone line? Jeff, when an actor would be on the phone with a, another character, would that actor actually be talking to anybody on that phone? Yes and no. Okay. If there was a very, very long conversation or something, somebody off camera may read the conversation, perhaps, so there would be a flow of, of uh, conversation between the person on the phone and then you would hear, you wouldn't hear the, they wouldn't record the person off stage, but they would be giving the actor the dialogue that's on the phone. It doesn't happen often, but on MESH, that never happened. <laughs> 
uh, to my knowledge, certainly I wasn't there every single day and didn't see every single phone call. But no, uh, normally they would simply, you know, do the dialogue and there would be nobody uh, there to talk to. It makes sense. I mean, it just makes sense that it would be a prop telephone and that it wouldn't actually be wired. Yeah, no, no, no. The phone would, (laughs) no, there'd be nobody on the other end of the phone. As I say, the only other, you know, possibilities is somebody off stage was doing the dialogue. But the phone was not working. (laughs) It was a prop that was did nothing except collect dust and that's why it's called acting yes yes <laughs> uh, oh golly well rochelle writes hi rochelle she says good afternoon and it actually is here so that's correct i learned an interesting fact today i take orders over the phone and one of my customers is from bloomington illinois just like henry blake the interesting fact is the county of Bloomington is McLean. A coincidence? Enjoy your podcast and look forward to each episode. Okay. Well, Rochelle, uh, there is a Bloomington, Illinois. Yes, Bloomington, Illinois is a real place. In fact, it's 135 miles southwest of Chicago, and it's about 227 miles north of me. Oh, there you go. And uh, that is where Henry Blake is from. And that's also where McLean Stevenson is from. Now, actually, McLean Stevenson was born in Normal, Illinois, Bloomington Normal. They're two cities very close to each other. McLean Stevenson actually attended Bloomington High School. So, yes, it is a real place. And Bloomington, Illinois is in McLean County. I did a little research to see if there was any connection between McLean Stevenson and the McLean that uh, McLean County was was named after, and probably their family tree has to cross at some point, but I couldn't find a specific example. McLean Stevenson, McLean is actually his middle name. Edgar McLean Stevenson is his real name. McLean County was named after John McLean, who was a U.S. Senator from Illinois, and McLean Stevenson's grandmother was Lottie McLean. So there's a lot of McLeans going on in... <laughs> <laughs> McLean County. All that to say, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, but it was quite interesting. I, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yes, Rochelle, there is a Bloomington. And Rochelle, did you also know that there is a Rochelle, Illinois? And in fact, it is 107 miles due north of Bloomington. I'd like to know what Rochelle takes orders for. And <laughs> if we could order something from her. I don't know. And uh, from the coolest name on the podcast today, Armando. 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 Armando writes and says, I just discovered your podcast three days after being sick in bed, not of COVID, but wished I had learned of your podcast those three days sooner. Going to deep dive into every podcast episode. I love MASH and I've been a fan since the late 80s. I was too young for the first run, but certainly remember all the hoopla in 83. Quick story, I was feeling homesick when I went away to college in 94, but found comfort when I caught the MASH reruns on TV. It made me feel like I was home. By the way, I'm a Hollywood TV extra now, and I got to work on the TV show Bones many times without ever realizing MASH was also shot on the same soundstage there on the Fox lot. I have fond memories of working on stage nine, but I'm stunned even now as I write this that I got to walk around in the echo and shadows and the ghosts of MASH and its lore. Happy to have found you. Best wishes. Well, thank you, Armando. Yeah, that's cool. Armando, you're on a cool soundstage. Stage nine is the best stage at 20th Century Fox. Absolutely. Bar none. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's really cool. So, well, congratulations on being an extra. That's neat. It's a neat thing to do. Very fun job. Um, you get to you know meet a lot of people and you make a lot of friends and you see a lot of TV shows and movies and stuff and you get to wander around movie studios. So that's a pretty cool. Congratulations, Armando. And and uh, I'm envious that you were on stage nine. That's uh, I have to figure out a way to get back there and look around myself and see yeah. all the ghosts. <laughs> I don't know if I want to there. see the ghosts. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe my steam table. (laughs) Ah, Well, Mike writes, Hey, Jeff and Ryan, I am a lifelong MASH fanatic. I've watched the show my entire life and remember being so upset in the second grade that I had to go to bed during the finale. My mom had to give me a complete rundown of how everyone went home the next morning during breakfast. I have since watched it countless times. My dad used to record episodes when we got our first VCR. We had MASH marathons with those tapes more times than I can count. For my parents' 51st wedding anniversary, I got them a cameo from Jamie Farr, and my mom watched that video daily for months. I planned on getting one for them from you, Jeff, and Loretta in the following years. Sadly, she passed away before their 52nd anniversary. My dad passed away in mid-March, just 10 and a half months after mom. I made the 18-hour drive from Texas to Michigan listening to nothing but the MASH Matters podcast both ways. Your banter and interviews made my time on the road bearable. It really helped me get my head straight and come to terms with losing both parents within a year. I cannot thank you enough for the hours of MASH therapy you provided. I'm going to start crying now. Um, Thank you, and here's looking up your old address. Ah, well, that's gee whiz. Gosh. Yeah. Hey, Mike, that's uh, that's quite a, that's very interesting. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. That's. Uh, yeah. And we're very sorry for your loss. Uh, it's, it's one thing to lose uh, somebody so close, but to lose both of your parents within the same year is, I, I can't, I can't imagine. So uh, our, our condolences. And, uh, you know, when we started this podcast, uh, I've said this before, Jeff, um, when I approached you about this podcast <laughs> several years ago, I told you to step back, didn't I? I, I said, "Please <laughs> step back, not so close to the car, buddy." I um, I just wanted to make a podcast and have some fun and just talk about our favorite show, and we do, and then, and that's what we do. But it turns out to be so much more than I expected, and that's saying something coming from somebody who is a big Mash fan like myself. I even underestimated the impact that MASH has on families and parents and their kids and their grandkids. And that connection is is a lot deeper than I originally anticipated when we started this thing. And it's it's been a real blessing. I know you've talked about this as well, Jeff. Um, it's been really an eye-opener and it's been really touching to hear all these stories. But when you get a note like that from Mike, you know, um, maybe we did a good thing by starting this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's interesting to hear you say that. I I have uh, said it many times that I've been so moved and dramatically impacted by what we hear from everybody and about how how important MASH was to them and what it did for them for their lives and their families' lives and so forth. And to hear it from you also that that's doing the same thing to you as well, probably for a little bit different reasons. But boy, uh, yeah, we. We didn't know what we were stepping into, really. And like you said, <laughs> no. you you wanted to do a fun podcast, and we we both decided that's what we would do. Uh, and uh, 
And we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know we were going to step into the kind of emotional world and life um, at all. I had no idea that was going to happen. None. So it's fascinating. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah, surprise. <laughs> it isn't all fun and games, is it? No. <laughs> Well, that does it for episode 81 of MASH Matters. You can get in contact with us, mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also call and leave a voicemail under three minutes in length at 513-436-4077. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. You can listen to episodes also on YouTube. And you can subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the podcast players. You already know this because you're listening to the podcast. But please help spread the word. Let other MASH fans know here in our 50th year of MASH. Let other MASH fans know about MASH Matters. Did you say our 50th year of MASH? 50th year. Holy moly. Wow. You need a nap? Yeah, (laughs) I do. (laughs) I'm going to go nap right now. Thanks. Nice talking with you. And until next time, here's looking up your old address. (laughs) 